I am Laura Spate, Executive Director of the Policy Center. As we continue to advance the success of minority farmers, the Socially Disadvantaged Farmers and Ranchers Policy Research Center, located at Alcorn State University, is creating a series of video podcasts designed to educate minority farmers, ranchers, and agricultural professionals on agricultural policies impacting minorities and their communities. Each podcast will focus on an area of agricultural policy and its impact on minority farmers. Thank you. episode two of the Policy Center Live, hosted by the Socially Disadvantaged Farmers and Ranchers Policy Research Center at Alcorn State University. My name is April Love, and I am the policy analyst at the Policy Center. And today I have with us Rodney Brooks, who is a USDA Detail E with the U.S. House Committee on Agriculture. And he will be discussing with us the Farm Bill and why it's so important. Welcome, Mr. Brooks. Well, good. Uh, let me see. I'm on the East Coast, so it's good afternoon for me, but good morning to you all. And I uh, just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, share a few words this morning that hopefully can uh, provide a little bit more insight into the farm bill, the process, and why it's so important. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us. Your expertise is so important. Um, so I guess we'll jump right in. And the first question I have is, tell us a little bit about yourself and what exactly you do. Okay, so uh, I'm just an old country boy from a little town in South Georgia called Quitman. Uh, grew up there. Uh, like most uh, communities in rural America, uh, our local economy revolves around agriculture and agriculture-related industries. I did not grow up on a farm, but as a teenager, I did have the opportunity to work on farms as a laborer, uh, harvesting watermelons, uh, cropping tobacco, and, and picking field peas and things of such. Uh, upon graduation from high school, went on to Fort Valley State University, where initially I thought I was going to be a business major, but I uh, ran into an ag econ professor doing orientation. And he asked me, uh, was I familiar with the uh, discipline of agriculture economics? And at that point, uh, of course, I understood what agriculture was and, and I understood what economics was, but I had never heard the two merge together that, at that time. And he explained to me the benefits of, of majoring in agriculture economics. And at that point, I changed my major and became an ag econ major. Uh, upon graduation from Fort Valley State, went on to uh, the University of Georgia to receive my master's degree in agriculture and applied economics. And during that time, I was working for the USD as an intern all throughout my undergraduate and graduate school years. And upon uh, receiving my master's from UGA, eventually came out, worked for Farm Credit System for a couple of months before going back to FSA as a loan officer. And the past five, six years or so of my career at the USDA has been as the beginning former regional coordinator that serves uh, the southeastern states 
as well as the states on the East Coast. And as uh, Ms. Love indicated in the intro, I'm currently detailed to the House Ag Committee, uh, where I serve as a policy staffer who helps uh, provide uh, insight and using my expertise and background uh, to make sound policy decisions that affect uh, agriculture policy here in this country. Wow. So basically, you're an expert <laughs> on well, the farm bill. <laughs> well, I, I'll say uh, I, I may be an expert on implementing certain aspects of the farm bill, but uh, the farm bill is, 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 is a very large bill that governs our federal agriculture policy, and there's a lot of intricate details that come along with that. Okay. So I think before we jump into what is the Farm Bill, I think we need to know what exactly is the House Ag Committee? What is that? So the House Ag Committee is a standing committee within the U.S. House of Representatives. And the members of the House Agriculture Committee are charged with uh, having jurisdiction over federal agriculture policy and oversight of some federal agencies uh, throughout the country. Uh, more importantly, uh, a lot of oversight within the USDA, which is United States Department of Agriculture. Uh, the committee also recommends appropriations and for various agencies, programs, and activities throughout the country. And uh, the House rules defines what we can do within the Agriculture Committee uh, as far as implementing policy. And I will say that uh, the Agriculture Committee uh, is comprised, comprised of members from both rural and urban settings throughout this country. But uh, the members from rural parts of the country uh, tend to have a keen interest because, of course, in the rural parts of this country, agriculture is the main economic engine. And we wanna make sure that our farmers and ranchers located throughout the country have the best policies and regulations in place to uh, allow them to be successful on their operations. And uh, okay. so during this 117th Congress, uh, the Democrats are in control of the majority, and that means that the chairman of the House, House Agriculture Committee is a dem Democrat. And for the first time in the history of this committee, uh, we have an African-American chairman, uh, David Scott, who represents, represents the great state of Georgia and uh, cities around the metro Atlanta area. And Glenn G.T. Thompson is the ranking member on the minority side who also resides uh, from the state of Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. Very nice. So basically the House Ag Committee uh, is the committee that works with the Farm Bill. Yes. And works definitely. to put it together. Okay. So what exactly is the Farm Bill? Uh, the Farm Bill is, is uh, a large piece of law that governs and dictates, again, agriculture policy in this country. Uh, it's a multi-year multi law that covers a broad range of agricultural uh, products, inputs, agriculture-related fields. And uh, in addition to developing and enacting the Farm Bill, Congress also oversees its implementation. Uh, the Farm Bill is typically renewed every five years. So the last Farm Bill was 2018. So that meaning upcoming next year, 2023, the current Farm Bill will be expiring. Uh, so we begin to do oversight on the previous farm bill to see uh, what went right, what went wrong, and see your areas where we can make improvements and some things that need to be added to this uh, new farm bill. So without reauthorization, uh, some of the farm bill programs do expire. And, and 
one of those programs is the nutrition assistance program and the commodity support programs and we know those programs are, are, are very important not only to farmers and ranchers throughout this country but to uh, men and women and children who receive snap benefits uh through the farm bill and uh, we want to make sure that uh that the farm bill is reauthorized in a timely manner and if it's not reauthorized we want to make sure that uh extensions are granted so some of these valuable programs are not lost in addition uh the farm bill has two different types of spending we have mandatory spending and we have discretionary spending uh the mandatory spendings are considered baseline spendings and they primarily affect uh your commodities and those group commodities include the stable commodities of corn soybeans wheat cotton rice peanut dairy sugar uh the big boys and basically everything we need yeah yeah you know <laughs> everything I, I mean, we need we we gotta eat and uh we we gotta make sure that uh the men and the women who are here in this country that are producing these commodities are in position to be able to do so and uh i talked about those major commodity groups and also there's some uh prominent additions uh that have been added over the years to be included in the farm bill titles and that includes uh, horticulture, uh, energy title, uh, conservation research, and development titles. And uh, so, again, from the inception, inception of the Farm Bill back in the 1930s up to this point, the number of titles have increased. And the 2018 Farm Bill had 12 titles. And now, granted, uh, I work in ag, and uh, the Farm Bill is, is, is our driving legislation about how and what we do but i have not committed myself to memory all 12 of the titles so i'm just going to read through them right quick okay so perfect. first yeah first we have the commodities title uh conservation trade nutrition credit rural development uh research extension and related matters forestry energy horticulture crop insurance and lastly title 12 is the miscellaneous titles which includes programs and assistance for livestock and poultry production as well as support for beginning farmers and ranchers and other general provisions wow so you reading off all of the titles in the farm bill <laughs> just made me know that answered my next question which was why is the farm bill so important and i see based on all of those titles it's important because it includes everything that has to do with agriculture and a lot of things that people don't think would have to do with agriculture, you know, like nutrition and, you know, extension programming, education, all of that kind of stuff, research. Um, so I think you just answered my next question, but is there any other reason why you would say the farm bill is just so important? Yeah. And, um, you know, when people ask me uh, what got me involved in ag and what do I do? It's always a question of, uh, or, or my response typically revolves around uh, the primary factor that we must eat. So in addition to air and water, food is the other thing that sustains our life. So regardless of whatever race, creed, color, gender, socioeconomic status you are, the one thing that binds us together is our ability and, and the need to have food. 
and the farm bill uh puts policies and regulations in place to ensure that we have uh the producers of food who can do so in a safe manner and uh, ultimately the foods gets into the hands of the cons- hands of the consumer so that we can continue to live okay i totally agree with you on that um so next we um are going to have a lot of people watching this who may not be familiar with one the farm bill to you know the house ag committee or congress as a whole or how you even you know make a law like the farm bill or a set of laws um what is the process for developing something like the farm bill so uh, again the farm bill is is a very large bill and uh, as i stated earlier comprises a whole lot of different things but uh just to boil it down to the gist of it so uh the agriculture committees in both the house and senate have their uh councils and they work with the house and senate legislative councils to actually draft the uh the text of the bill and uh leading up to the text of the bill there there's a lot of engagement with stakeholders and other interested parties, farmers and ranchers, organizations such as the Social Disadvantaged Farmers and Ranchers Policy Center that that you all support, that Alcorn, uh, the input from these stakeholders is very important. And in the lead up to the writing and and, and the drafting of the actual farm bill, uh, we conduct listening sessions. Uh, we consult with members uh, who serve on the committee, as well as members who do not serve on the committee but have interest in agriculture and the related fields that are revolve around agriculture that are important to the constituents in that district. So it's a process of, of, of getting all that information together and trying to uh, work together, uh, both House, Senate, Republican, Democrat, uh, to make sure that the priorities that we set forth uh, are in the best interest of the farmers and ranchers throughout this country. Now, every farm bill is different, uh, but you will have a base bill that is introduced by the chair or the chair and the ranking member uh, jointly that's used up as a markup vehicle uh, for the committee. Uh, some chairs will try to include provisions from individual members ahead of time. And in that case, so uh, to cut down on the time that's needed to discuss as many amendments as possible that need to be added to the bill. And um, so whichever parties control as a majority, as a majority has the heavier lift uh, since it's their job to make sure that the bill is actually uh, written and drafted and approved. And so this year is, 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 is a testy time. Uh, we know midterm elections are coming up in November and currently the Democrats control the gavel. Uh, but in November, that was a change. Of course, uh, the opposite would be in effect. The Republicans would control the gavel and they would be the main dri- drivers of the agenda on how the farm bill uh, will, will be drafted. Now, once we have a House passed bill and a Senate passed bill, uh, we get to do a conference to iron out any differences between the two bills. And uh, once that's done, uh, we get something that's uh, acceptable and agreeable on both parties and we put it before the president and i'll say and upcoming farm bill 2023 
the chairing conference will be held by the Senate since the House chaired the last conference in 2018. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's a really long process, um, which I would expect because it's a really, you know, big piece of legislation. But I don't think a lot of people would say think that it takes that much um, to put the farm bill out and to put out the laws that really dictate a lot of um, a lot of things that concern agriculture. I think we all just kind of move um, around as we as we do when it comes to agriculture, farming, and the food that we eat and the, the benefits that we get. Um, but we don't think about how much uh, goes into it. So, go ahead. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of people that think that you walk into your Kroger, your food lion, uh, your Aldi, whatever the case may be, and see all these different foods and rare foods and food related products. And some of us are naive enough to think that, you know, this is the origin of these products. But uh, of course, agriculture production is where it all begins. And uh, again, we have to make sure that uh, we have men and women who are in position to be able to produce these commodities and crops that allow these products to be in our grocery stores that we can ultimately consume. Yes, I totally agree with you on that. Um, so as you know, uh, at the Policy Center, we are specifically focused on socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. Um, is there any section of the Farm Bill, if you could just pick one or maybe two, I'll give you two because you may be like, oh no, I've got my favorite areas of the Farm Bill. Um, are there any, you know, sections of the farm bill that you think that socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers and those that work with them and advocate for them should really be focused on? In some way, shape or form, all of the titles are, are uh, intricately related in some manner. But uh, to be more specific, I, I, I guess I'll, I, I'll dig in and considering my academic background and uh is in agriculture economics and most of my career has been spent in the credit space i would say that credit is an uh area where you all should continue to focus on and to advocate for we know that uh farming and ranching is a very capital intensive uh undertaking and uh credit is vital and in instrumental and being able to access that capital. And uh, I, I think there needs to be an increased focus on financial literacy and also uh, just uh, allow for farmers and ranchers to be successful. Uh, the more we are in tune with financial literacy and the better we understand our credit and how that, when it comes to uh, seeking financing uh, from a loan seeking a loan from a commercial farm credit institution or even fsa uh your credit history plays a role in that determination and we want to make sure that uh social disadvantaged farmers and ranchers are in a position where when they come in and make these applications for these loans that they are deemed credit worthy and uh, again i cannot stress the importance of being credit worthy uh being able to access the money that's needed to go out and continue these farming and ranching operations, or even start up a farming and ranching operation, uh, very costly, very costly. 
And if you have not demonstrated in your personal life that you have the ability or have shown the ability to be able to pay your creditors, uh, that does not bode well when you come in and, and you want larger sums of money to operate a farm. So the credit title is, is, is definitely one that uh, I, I would say you all focus on. And you said get you two. So I'll say the research, uh, the, the title that involves research, uh, the, the work that you all are doing there at, at Alcorn State University is very commendable. And the work at all 1890s uh, uh, that are addressing the issues that face social disadvantaged farmers and ranchers is very important as well. Now, we all know that historically uh social disadvantaged farmers and ranchers are and lag in financial position in regard to their counterparts but there's a lot of things that go involved that 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 involve that and so with the research that you all do at alcorn and other institutions also is important learning uh different uh production techniques different marketing techniques uh you don't only have to be able to grow the product, but you have to be able to successfully market the product and, and get the most bang for your buck. And, and, I, and I mean, being able to get the top price for what a commodity that you're growing and the more revenue that you generate, um, to me, is only an enhancement of your operation. You know, we've done a lot of research at the Policy Center on access to credit and, you know, really access to resources as a whole. Um, and that seems to be a really large area of concern. And then obviously we wouldn't know that if it weren't for research. So you're 100% um, correct. So now I have a, like a follow-up question for you mm -hmm. on that. So what section of the farm bill do you think we could do a lot more work in that we're not doing enough work in uh, as it pertains to We'll say farmers and ranchers, but really socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. Well, sort of piggyback on last answer, but involvement in another title. So we talked about research. And again, uh, being an economist by trade, I look at numbers and like to examine numbers. We know that socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers uh, do not participate in the production of commodities as much as they do as in the production of specialty crops or livestock. Uh, I, I think there's a great opportunity for social disadvantaged farmers and ranchers to be more involved in the production of commodities. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with research. And there are different ways uh, that farmers and ranchers uh, can benefit from research when it comes to the commodity space. We, 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 there's, there's always been a lot of talk about uh, genetically mal, uh, modified uh, seed and things of that nature. GMOs have been around for a very long time and goes back to education and research, being able to properly educate folks about the pros and cons of whatever type of uh, production operation that you're going to engage in and uh, making headways in, in, into that commodity space. Uh, I talked earlier about how, how the commodities typically have the most traction within the farm bill. So we have a lot of resources that are geared towards kind of commodity production. So if there's a way to merge the two titles of research and commodities together to uh, 
increase the numbers of socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers who grow your traditional row crops, your cotton, corn, soybeans, wheat, things of that nature. I think that can only benefit uh, the socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers in this country. Wow. Um, I wouldn't have even thought about that. Um, definitely would have thought about the merge with you know research because I think that research really drives everything. If you don't have the data, um, you don't know where there needs to be more resources or more assistance. I would also would like to mention is I, I think organizations like you all, we need to build alliances uh, with other organizations who have like-minded visions and uh, want to see the similar, some similar things included in the Farm Bill. Uh, align yourself with those groups uh, because there are power, there's power in numbers. And the loudest voices tend to be able to get action and get things done. And sometimes, you know, we have to think outside of the box. And as I just mentioned, the merge between research and commodities, you know, I, I think we have to look holistically at agricultural production in this country and see where there are gaps and see where we may be able to fill those gaps uh, through introducing legislation, whether it be in the Farm Bill or whether it be in standalone legislation that's going to be able to help benefit uh, socially disadvantaged farms and ranchers throughout this country. Okay, great. That was some amazing information. I think that, you know, even as the policy analyst here at the Policy Center, I think I also learned a lot. You know, I don't think I ever thought a lot about, you know, commodities and, you know, whether a lot of socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers were participating in that. Um, so my next question is, how can people continue to learn about the farm bill? Um, what resources are out there, you know, possibly from the House Ag Committee? Yeah, uh, as I stated earlier, uh, we're going to be doing listening sessions throughout the country, uh, getting the input of stakeholders, farmers and ranchers, organizations who are involved in this whole agricultural scene. And if if there's a listening session within your state, uh, sometimes these uh, listening sessions are, are screamed and you may be able to ask a question or get a little bit more insight in that manner. Uh, but better yet, even attend those listening sessions and you can hear and see firsthand and be able to ask your questions that are related to your interests. In addition, uh, you can always go to our website. Uh, we update things on a daily basis, uh, depending on what the matters at hand are. And uh, talk to your, your, your members, uh, your, represent, your representatives and your senators in your states uh, who have a keen interest in agriculture. And be connected to their offices and ultimately you know the farm bill originates in, in the house committee on agriculture but it has to be passed uh by the majority of congress both in the house and the senate so that means that you're going to have some people out there who let's say for instance new york city uh i don't think they grow any cotton or corn in new york city but you know when it comes time to vote for the farm bill you're going to need those votes from those urban center, those urban representatives as well. And uh, build coalitions and alliances with as many folks as you can to champion your causes is a great benefit. Okay, great. Again, that was wonderful information. 
Um, Mr. Brooks, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us today. Um, we look forward to having you back in the future to discuss another area of uh, agriculture and public policy. Um, this is gonna be the end of our episode two. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you again. And uh, if I could be of any future assistance, please feel free to reach out and uh, we'll do whatever we can. Thank you again.